The vitriol in today's public Christian square is often unchristlike. Where in Scripture can you find Jesus attacking, mocking, deriding those who didn't profess to know the God of Scripture? The people who got the brunt of his sarcasm and admonition were those who professed Scripture but lived almost diametrically in opposition to the purity of that Scripture. Being chosen, being part of the remnant, doesn't make us better than the next person. It just means we've chosen to follow Christ because of His grace. Shouldn't we afford that grace to the person next to us, even the one who doesn't choose to follow Christ? Wow, imagine that. Republicans loving Democrats, Democrats living with Republicans, and Christians loving those who are foreign to our faith, just because God first loved us, all of us. Preserving that love starts with respecting the unbeliever, the Gentile, because we are now one in the Spirit and because of grace. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U, a weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome to Sabbath School University. I have three first-time guests here on, on the show with us, and I want to start out by introducing you to our viewers. I want to start right here on my left. Give us your name and tell, tell us something about yourself and so we can get to know you. Um, I'm Hannah Sakura, and I go to Andrews University okay. um, taking speech pathology and audiology. Very nice, very nice. What, what made you want to go into speech pathology? Um, I just really, there's two goals for, um, my, what I wanted to fulfill in life, okay. and that is to help others and, um, to those that are in need, basically, right. and that's a very good description that's, of those. Yeah, that. that's oh. a good major. When yeah. I was five, I needed a speech pathologist because I couldn't say S. So you can really help children with that degree. <laughs> my name is Christine Wallace. Um, I have a master's in international development from Andrews University. Right. Um, I'm also a certified personal trainer. And I have two children. This is my husband, Ryan. Right. And just one last thing. I'm actually going to the 2012 World Long Distance Triathlon Championships in Spain this year. So I'm training a lot, too. <laughs> All right. What, what month is that going to be in? In July. In July? Yeah. Okay, so... Right around the corner. All right. And like she said, I'm Ryan Wallace. I'm her husband. And I have a hard time keeping up with her <laughs> when she's training for these, uh, these triathlons. Yeah. But we do uh, have a happy family. We've got two daughters, uh, Grace and Faith. All right. And I have the same degree that she does, actually. And that's how we met um, at uh -huh. school in Italy, of all places. A very nice, uh, romantic sort yeah. of setting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad of sorts. I work from home. Okay. I'm an editor and I work online. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Do you yeah. ever help her with her training? I try. You try? Yeah. He's try really good up. at helping me. All right. That's great. <laughs> Hannah, I'm going to invite you to read our key text and okay. then pray and then we'll get into the discussion of the lesson. Okay. okay? Sounds good. 
Dear Heavenly Father, please bless us and guide and direct us in a special way today. And Lord, I just pray that you will bless us as we uh, get into some of the your word. And I just pray that you will bless us and everyone that might hear. And Lord, just help it be from you. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, the text is first Thessalonians 2:19 and 20. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. All right. So now we're studying the epistle of the the, the it, the Thessalonians, mm -hmm. written by Paul. And um, this week we're, d we're talking about relationships. Now, <clears throat> up until now, I want you to tell me who, other than Christ, has been the most influential person in your spiritual life and why. Um, I can start. Um, okay. So my parents are uh, the most influential, and my husband is as well. But until I met him, my mm -hmm. parents were... Um, they were not baptized Christians. Uh, I was actually the first baptized Christian in my family when I was 22. But they are from different cultural backgrounds. Um, my mom is from Trinidad, my dad is from Germany. And um, they've faced a lot of <laughs> interesting situations uh, that my sister, that my parents totally protected us from. We never knew, you know, uh, about racism growing mm -hmm. up. Um, which was very nice. We thought, you know, it was normal. Multicultural family, very normal. Mm -hmm. um, we actually felt superior because my parents m let us feel so special. Um, but they had the heart, the law written in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And they raised us to treat people with respect. It doesn't matter if the person was homeless, if they were rich or poor, um, cultural, uh, culture, nationality, religion, we are all the same. And so I truly believe they were very influential in my mm -hmm. life. And then my husband, he knows scripture so well. And if I have a question or I have a thought, he is really able to help me refer to the Bible and it helps our spiritual life a lot. All right. So I'm hearing you say that basically your parents had a, a strong impact on your spiritual in a very practical way. Right. In a sense. Very practical. And, you know, that ties really nicely into our lesson. But uh, tell me about someone who's been very influential spiritually in your life. Um, it probably would have to be my mom. Okay. And that is because um, without a doubt, she's never, like, not stopped. Mo she's mostly inspired me through her prayer life okay and 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 you know for us kids and devoted to god and is just in love with god and and she is like the ultimate person that i just whenever i fall or whatever mm -hmm. i just know that she's there praying for me and yeah. is there for my yes. rock basically yes. besides god for me if i can jump in um I, I will say my wife as well, not because uh -huh. I'm trying to be fair, but because it's true. I did grow up in a, in a Christian home, familiar with the Bible, and I do know, you know some of the texts, but seeing her background and experiencing uh, the Christian heart and love that she has, mm -hmm. which is sometimes easy to lose when you just uh, focus on the theory of, of the Bible or the theory of religion, mm -hmm. uh, seeing that in her was a total revelation and help to me 
to, to see the practical aspect of it. But even beyond that, and kind of ironically, the two children that we have now, we have a, uh, Grace and Faith, we call mm -hmm. them our two daughters, uh, they have helped me know more about the character of God because there's analogies in the Bible about how God is our Father. And when I feel the, the love that I have for them and, and how I would do any for, anything for them and help them, and I realize that God has so much more love for us, for all of us as His children, that has been uh, maybe one of the, the biggest uh, helps to me uh, as a Christian, just to get a better glimpse of God in that way. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I'm hearing all of these things that, that made these people influential in your lives were the practical aspects of Christianity, the practical spiritual you know, demonstrations. Um, because you're talking about equality among people, you know, treating everyone the same. You're talking about the prayer life. And again, very, very practical things that you're seeing um, demonstrated in your, in your wife. Um, when we see Paul, how much of Paul's Christianity is, is, you know, theory as compared to, you know, practical Christianity in, in the way that you, what you have perceived from reading scripture? I'll speak to that. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a pretty good mix, honestly, and it mm -hmm. kind of depends on the audience that he's uh, dealing with. Mm -hmm. But in, in a lot of these epistles, you know, the letters to the various churches, he does give sometimes even a list of very practical uh, instructions, like what not to do, mm -hmm. what to do, uh, you know, who to listen to, who not to listen to, what kind of problems to avoid, yeah. how to behave, you know. So a lot of it is practical. Yeah. And then when he's talking to some of the, the other audiences, he does go into more of the, you know, the prophecies and how they've been fulfilled and the, and the theory of grace and salvation. Uh -huh. But what shines and speaks to me is the, the practical application of it. Yeah. Hmm. And then, you know, we're focusing on the relationships, um, preserving relationships this, this week. Then how does that tie in into, you know, even evangelism? Um, yeah, I, and I think it's in, interesting also um, in his letters is that uh, he's culturally specific or different with different audiences. Okay. And so he takes into consideration the different people that are listening to him. And I think that's so important uh, for today. Mm. You know, when we're talking to people in different countries, I think it's really important for us to take into consideration where they're coming from, their cultures, and not just push our agenda mm -hmm. on them because we think they need to be like us, mm. where we probably have a lot to learn from them too. And I think Paul saw that as well Yeah, with his different audiences. Very sure, mm. yeah. Now, Paul, he obviously reached out to the Thessalonians, and while he did get some acceptance, there was also a lot of opposition. Now, what was the nature of this opposition that, that you know, when Paul brought his message to the city of Thessalonica? What happened there? In Acts chapter 17, okay. there's a, a description of, of that. I'm not going to read it, but mm -hmm. I'll just uh, summarize what happened. Basically, Paul was um, going to the synagogues, going to the churches, mm -hmm. and explaining uh, about Jesus Christ. Some people accepted it, some people did not. Yeah. Uh, those who didn't uh, became jealous. They were spiteful, they were angry. They actually incited people in the city to uh, to come and attack, you know, look for Paul and attack him, mm -hmm. and his host as well. I mean, they, they really wanted to get rid of this this whole idea. And they condemned them in front of the city leaders. They said, these people are against Caesar. 
Um, they really tried to stir up trouble yeah. uh, for, for Paul in Thessalonica. Yeah. Now, if we could almost translate this whole scenario from ancient New Testament times uh, to today's world, what would that look like? What kind of a scenario comes to mind if you were to just take that story and say, drop it into modern day, what's happening in modern times mm-hmm. in this particular type of a situation? Perhaps you have someone like a missionary going to you know, some unreached you know, tribe or, or, or something and, and the reaction is almost caustic. You know, you're having a, a, a terrible reaction by by the people. Um, what are what are the, some of the things that are going through your mind as you're imagining this situation? How do you resolve this situation? What what should you do? Should you stay? Should you go? Should you per, be persistent? You know, what what are some of the things that go through your mind as you're imagining uh, this situation happening today? I'll say something. Go ahead. Um, it's interesting to note in this story who it was that was um, opposing Paul. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't the what we'll call the secular uh, people, you know. It was the people who believed they were the chosen people. It was the religious group okay. who who disagreed with this new theology, this new religion that Paul was uh, promoting. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, maybe it's a lesson to us today to be careful not to offend. Uh, even from a religious perspective, not to offend when we're going as a missionary to another country, mm-hmm. to unnecessarily offend their religion, to put them down, to disrespect them in any way, because they might be the worst antagonists you know, to, to the, spreading the message. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the, the people who needed to hear the message for the first time who were against it. Mm-hmm. It was those who had already heard the message and, and rejected it okay. or, or turned it down. Oh. And I, and I think it's very important as well, like, you know, so the people who are really religious in their own cultural settings, in their own religions, you know, let, let's pray for those people. Let's pray that we can work with those people because they're already influential in their own communities, in their own societies. Mm-hmm. If we can get them on our side, and then we could do more good. Mm-hmm. So we need to find ways in which we can uh, create peace, things in common, build um, upon relationships, build a friendship, build trust, okay. and let the Holy Spirit do the work. I think that if we just push our agenda on people and say, no, you're wrong, and I'm right, and this is the way it needs to be, and we don't have that open mind, we don't have the idea that we need to be friends, mm-hmm. we want to share good things with them, um, they might be suspicious. People are suspicious. If, you know, if you just want to go somewhere and, and spread the word of God. I, we, we have friends who were missionaries uh, somewhere uh, for a number of years, and they were very ineffective. It was mm-hmm. very because they didn't understand until the very end that the point of being a missionary, even in your own backyard, mm-hmm. is friendships, is love. And uh, I think it's really important when we think of ourselves as missionaries, even as witnesses for Christ, that we need to have an open mind towards these things. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's just going off of theirs. Um, I live in a small community, and it's mixed with, yeah, I mean, you get, you, it's mixed. It's a multicultural community. You get every kind of religion. Um, and it's small, and I was born and raised there, so I know a lot of people there, and my family is like one of few um, that's um, 
Adventist mm -hmm. in the town, and um, it wouldn't, we, we could never, with the setting of our community, we could never come across and do the um, whole, like, preaching to them okay. right off. You, like, we would have to do, we have to, do, you have to build friendship, yeah. and you just got to pray that, that, um, that the Holy Spirit will um, work through you and just being a, a good example of a good person, mm -hmm. you know. Through. And like having things in common with people too. Yeah. You know, finding things that, and even though you might not necessarily want to be with them all the time because mm -hmm. they're not just like you, that's okay. Let go of that. Look at Christ. Yeah. He's from heaven. We're measly mortals down here, mm. and he came down here to share the good news with us so that we can join him. If he can do that for us, we should be able to do that with our neighbors. Yeah, so. yeah. So now I, I understand what you're saying about relationships being very important, friendships, and that's how we should reach out to, to people when we're doing evangelism. Now, I want to ask you a question. How do you handle differences? You know, how do you handle differences in belief, even? Um, because I hear you saying, yes, we need to be friends. Um, what do you do when, when there's clearly some incompatibility with your belief systems? Um, well, I, um, I, was no, I wasn't, like I said, I lived in a small community, mm -hmm. uh, small Adventist church, like small, small Adventist church. <laughs> and basically, we were the youth, you know, my siblings and I were the youth, and uh, so I grew up with all non-Adventist friends, like, mm -hmm. and so I had all different kinds of backgrounds, friends, and and I never grew up like from like you know the Adventist school all the way to the top, yeah. and um, because of that, you know, I I know from my experience that it is possible to um, just. Uh, I mean, as long as you are strong in what you believe in, okay. you um, you can you know be friends with anyone. Okay. Like I think for me personally, my experience is as long as I'm grounded in what I believe, and if that doesn't that line never gets murky, mm -hmm. then I'm okay to be with anyone. Okay. I'm with her a hundred percent, and I actually find it almost easier to live in a secular environment, and we were talking about this, because you're different, mm -hmm. and you're different because you know why you're different, because you have a relationship with Christ, and sometimes I feel living in a very, you know, in an area where everyone's the same, things sort of start to get a little shady. Okay. And so, from my, from my experience, I have the same experience, I would say most of my friends are non-Adventist, and we do have a lot in common, and they know I don't drink alcohol, for example, okay. I don't go out on Friday nights, and if they're really your friends, they're going to respect that. And a lot of them want to know why. And wow, oh, I can re I can rely on Christine. I'll call her when I'm in trouble because uh, she'll pray for me yeah. because she has a relationship with God. And and they look up to me that way. And it, it's a really it's special. It makes you feel like wow, God is really in my life, and I'm sh and He's shining through me yeah. to all these people. So. Yeah. So um, how can you? Okay. You focus basically on your similarities. You, that's where you place the emphasis. You're not trying to create uh, tension and, and you know, highlighting our differences and showing how different we are. But then is there ever a place, Ryan, for you know, bringing out the differences and saying, hey, maybe you should take a look at this? 
Yes, if you're comfortable with that person, if they're comfortable with you. Okay. Focusing on similarities will get you a lot farther than focusing on, on the differences. Right. But oftentimes, um, what you can do is use an opportunity, uh, often a tragedy or, or maybe even a negative situation, mm -hmm. to explain something that you might not otherwise have been able to share. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, a person who might have had a relative pass away yeah. or something like that. You can share with them some good news from the Bible mm -hmm. about this bad event. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe maybe they don't know 100% um, what the Bible has to say about that. So you can share that with them and use that as an opportunity. You know, that's just one example. But yeah. I imagine patience is going to be very important in a yeah. process like this. I, make it an organic process, if mm -hmm. I can use that word. Yeah. Uh, if you associate yourself, um, identify yourself with what you believe, and not in a list form, but as in, this is the kind of heart that I have, mm -hmm. uh, the the ability to witness that is going to come much more naturally. And if you don't have that, then just pray to God that He gives that to you. And it's okay if you don't have that. I mean, that's fine. But if you recognize that, that's great. Yeah. And then just pray that you know God, the Holy Spirit will help you in those kind of situations. I think a lot of people, and I can speak for myself here, uh, mess themselves up in terms of their ability to share the Bible mm -hmm. by. Um, by putting the pressure on themselves. Yeah. They, I, used to think that, you know, well, if I don't do it right, if, I'm, if I mess it up, then, you know, I'm responsible for this big mistake and, and the person might not, you know, understand what I'm trying to share. Um, that's not what the Bible has to say. You okay. know, the, the Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit will give us the words that we need to speak. Yes. Um, God is always with us. You know, only God can change somebody's heart truly. We can be an agent or you know, maybe a catalyst to start that reaction, but it's going to be God who is ultimately responsible for drawing that person to Himself, and God does that. Yeah. He He draws people. You know, I if I be lifted up will draw yeah. all men, yeah. all people, all people yeah. unto me. Yeah. Now I, I was just talking to you about the differences between people. Now there were some significant differences between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. Now, what can we learn about the differences between these two sets of people and how they responded to the gospel? It reminds me of the, the parable that Jesus told about the sower and the seed. Uh -huh. um, the seed is the same. The seed goes out to, to everybody. Uh, it does, the difference is in the soil. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the soil, you know, being an analogy of the people, um, the Thessalonians did not receive the word. Yeah. Uh, some of them did, mm -hmm. uh, but in, even in the city of Thessalonica, it was a lot of the um, the secular people, the the wealthy Greeks, for example, mm -hmm. who didn't know the, the scriptures, who decided to accept it. So the Thessalonians were were not very receptive. The Bereans, on the other hand, were. I mean, they were commended for for searching the scriptures. You know, yeah. So they were uh, more fair-minded mm -hmm. than those in Thessalonica. This is Acts seventeen, uh, verse ten, mm -hmm. verse eleven. And, and they searched the scriptures to see whether those things were so. Yes. so they were receptive. They were logical, I think, fair-minded, um, kind of weighing what was being said and trying to understand it for themselves. So then in our own evangelism, with our own personal witnessing, it's important for us to encourage people not only to just listen to what we have to say, but to search the scriptures for themselves. Yeah, I mean, just the same way that yeah. the Bereans and the, the difference between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. And, I, and Paul says that in a number of cases. Um, you know, basically, don't take it from me. Yeah. Um, I speak the words of, you know, well, Jesus said, I speak the words of him who sent me. Paul and Jesus 
kind of deferring to God as the ultimate authority. I mean, Jesus is God, I know, but deferring to him as the ultimate author of the message. Mm -hmm. you know, go back and, and check it, and don't take it just from me. Check it with, uh, with God. Yeah. Now, in a missionary setting, or even right here in our own home, um, anywhere that you are, it's important to know something about the beliefs of the people around you. And why is that important? Um, I think that it's, um, me personally, I think it's important to know your surroundings and know what other people believe and stuff to understand them better. Okay. For, um, and to let them know that, you know, you're not just being like, this is the this is the one and only way. Like this is the only religion, and we are the only people that are going to be going to heaven. And you know, like boom, mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. Instead of kind of portraying that, it's more like just being like, I'm open to hearing you. You know, you know, like you have to, you know, let them know that it's not just a one way street. You okay. know, for you know, you want you want you expect them to want to you expect them to be like responsive of uh, our like yeah. what we want to share then I feel that like we have to do the same for them and be willing to hear what they you know what they know too and stuff and you get to understand them better too that's right yeah I think it's really I totally agree with you yeah understanding and really listening mm -hmm. to what they believe don't just okay I'm throwing it in the garbage in my mind okay mm -hmm. I'm wasting time here listening to these people talk because I have to because mm -hmm. I need to be nice no, really genuinely taking an interest in somebody's life mm -hmm. and understanding where they came from and all about their religion. And it's really interesting. Um, I have family members who are from all over the world, Muslim, Hindu, um, different denominations within Christianity. And when you're having like in-depth conversations, and I generally find women are more able to do that than men, <laughs> but um, when we're having these in-depth conversations, a lot of the time it steers into the meaning of life or uh, different spiritual meanings and all these sort of things. Uh, and a lot of them go um, way off on tangents. But if you're able to bring them in mm -hmm. with just one verse from the Bible or one biblical thought or concept, it is, they listen because they're trying to find a meaning in what they're doing. So totally understanding where they come from and then b draw them in yeah. because you want to, not because yeah. you should. Well, yes, because we should, but because you really want to. And I think that helps too. I think that's an excellent, very, very good way of putting it. Um, we're pretty much out of time, but we had a great discussion, you know, and I know there's a lot of things that we could have discussed that we didn't get a chance to. But... Um, I just really enjoyed talking about, yeah, you know, fun. Thessalonians and relationships and evangelism with you. Yeah. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.